to Why Is with Ty and Dan. This week we discuss Christoph Waltz returning to the MCU. Welcome back to Why Is with Ty and Dan, a weekly Marvel recap podcast where we try to figure out just who and what is going on in this cinematic universe. Before we get going, please take a moment to hit the like and subscribe buttons. That helps us out a lot. My name is Tyler Borland, and with me always is... Danny Vincent! That's me, Danny Vincent. But you know what else is always with you? The MCU news. Well, actually, you know what? That's not true. We've had a couple weeks where we skipped the MCU news. But usually with you, it's MCU news. Uh, The first bit we have this week is that Russell Crowe has joined Thor Love and Thunder. Um, This is an interesting move because Russell Crowe lives in Australia. That's where Thor Love and Thunder is being shot. It's worth noting that even though we have no information on who he's playing, I would suspect... Um, involving leaks that we have not discussed in this podcast. We don't discuss leaks. But I would expect that he is not playing someone related to Matt Damon's character, our favorite. Uh, I think he's playing a different role. Uh, but what are your thoughts on the, the Gladiator joining for Love and Thunder? Because we had a Gladiator Thor movie last year. What is Superman's dad doing in the MCU? And more importantly, where's Martha? Martha! All right. Now, because Tyler mentioned that, we're going to spend the next hour discussing what role Diane Lange played in the MCU. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, okay, I actually have had this discussion before. Is that it's interesting that there are... A, I think it's getting to the point where we have a, quite a few number of actors who are in both universes. Yeah. Because uh, David Desmaclean, I don't know if you've watched the trailer for the new Suicide Squad movie. I haven't. Uh, but James Gunn, you know, is doing it. Yeah. Uh, he's playing Polka Dot Man in that, and he's the guy in the Ant-Man movies who goes Baba Yaga... So to me, oh, Suicide Squad hey. is like an upgrade to him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm happy for him. He's a really good actor. Mm-hmm. And he's like been slowly building up. Do you know what his first role was? No. He's in The Dark Knight. He's the guy who the <gasps> joke Oh, he is. Pat- yeah, he yeah. doesn't have any lines. He just laughs. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Yeah, yeah he's, he's, the guy, he's the guy that um, Harvey Dent takes out in the alley. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's great. And he demands, yeah. like, he's like, where's Rachel? Yeah. I'm really happy that his career has been going well. Mm-hmm. He's like a character actor who's like been steadily doing work since The Dark Knight, and now he's like I don't I wouldn't call him a lead of Suicide Squad, but it looks like his role is like a decent sized role. Yeah, and also like he's good in the Ant-Man movies. He's very funny, uh, so I'm happy for him. But then also, of course, Lawrence Fishburne is also in both the Ant-Man movies and in uh, the DC movies because mm-hmm. he's Perry White in the DC movies. Uh, Michael Keaton is coming back as Batman. And obviously we had him as Spider-Man. And, oh, I, I, I can't believe I mention this. Randall Park. Randall Park's in both of them, too. So, and I'm a Ant-Man actor. Yeah, right. So basically, if you want to be an Ant-Man, where's my Paul Rudd DC movie? Come on, <laughs> give it to me already. Um, I feel like I'm forgetting one, too, but it doesn't really matter. Uh, I just think it's interesting that there's a lot of actors doing that. And for Russell Crowe, it's like, unlike these other actors who show up, like, like, I believe, yeah, Ant-Man and the Wasp came out in 2018. Randall Park mm-hmm. was in both of his in 2018. Because he's an Aquaman. I don't know if you've seen Aquaman. I haven't. Randall Park's an Aquaman. Uh, he's a sequel hook in Aquaman. Okay. So, but he's still in it. So, it's kind of interesting. He probably went, like, straight from Ant-Man to Aquaman. I was like, yeah, I'll do both. Why not? So good for him. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, I'm I'm interested in seeing what Russell Crowe's gonna do, um, in in the MCU. What exactly, uh, what character character he will be playing? Because uh, from what yeah. we've heard so far on Thor four, a lot it, of there are a lot of characters. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people involved. So it'll be, I'm surprised it'll be interesting. Also, I'm surprised also with Russell Crowe. The thing is. Um, to me, he seems like someone who'd be like a Bradley Cooper, aka a voice, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. But if he's being announced so early, he's definitely on set shooting. So. Right. I'm curious what he's doing. Um, but yeah. Russell Crowe, um, you're unhinged. Our <laughs> 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 um, other bit of news is, I think this episode, uh, spoiler alert for the people listening about the episode like, but I'm guessing since you're listening to this, uh, you'll see it. I think we're probably going to come in shorter than last week. <laughs> we don't have a lot of news, you know what I mean? That's what we're writing. Right, we don't have right. A lot of news. And I think the episode's about the same amount to discuss. But anyway, um, Venom 2 got pushed back a week, September 24th. Uh, this is most likely because the Shang-Chi move last week. I said that last week, that when Shang-Chi moved to September, I was expecting Venom to move back. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I think it's pretty evenly in the middle between Shang-Chi and No Time to Die. Uh, and I think it likely views Shang-Chi as more direct competition than No Time to Die, because Bond movies skew older. Uh, but yeah. What do you think about Venom 2 movie? Oh, and by the way, Venom is not an MCU movie, but we cover it anyway. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I, I feel like that kind of goes without saying at this point. We just cover all Marvel movies, because at this point it's literally just either the MCU or it's whatever Sony's it's, doing. It's just... Sony stuff is, confusing if it's canon yeah. or not <laughs> at, at this point at this point it's just pending on when yeah. when pending. we'll have venom. venom 2 is pending <laughs> well i'm saying i'm saying uh the spider verse spider verse uh being introduced into the mcu well i will say this that even if this is an mcu podcast whenever spider verse 2 is coming out we're gonna cover it because i love spider verse 1 mm-hmm. Tyler, i'm making that executive decision we're gonna cover it anyway <laughs> um Sorry, Tom Hardy. Uh, see you later this year. I'm I'm looking for. I really want to see what Woody Harrelson does um, in his. I wish his they role. kept his wig. Have you seen? I, have you seen the photos of him? They've changed. I his hair is more normal. Oh, okay. Uh, well, ha- the wig. <laughs> the wig was hilarious. the wig is so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember, like, I saw it with. Like a bunch of people. Actually, I went back to SIU that weekend to see a show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I saw some friends at SIU, uh, Venom at the movie theater with the recliner seats. And like when the post credits, well, the mid credits scene hit, we just all burst out laughing at like first the reveal of his hair <laughs> and then the line of what there be carnage. There's going to be carnage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, uh, but yeah, no, I'm interested in seeing what Woody Harrelson does. I liked his work in the past um so it'll be it'll be interesting to see well, i like tom hardy's work in the past i feel like oh yeah I, no, venom, I, I like the both. cast of venom like the original venom is so stacked and it's mm-hmm. all of actors who are not given good material at all <laughs> in that movie but like i think at now but now because riz ahmed was nominated for sound of metal mm-hmm. i think the top three build people in venom are like academy award nominees uh, which is pretty uh, pretty stacked, but it's a Venom yeah. movie. So. Right. <laughs> but yeah. All right, moving on from Venom. Wow, that was like the shortest news we've had besides the time we haven't done anything. <laughs> We're going in the green room. 
Yes, the green room led the way. Uh, anyway, uh, do you want to go first or I go first? Um, I go first, you go first. I'll, I'm I, I'm I can go Star first. Star Wars: The Force Awakens. Uh, oh, I go uh, first. You go first. <laughs> you can go first. <laughs> uh, sure. So this week I watched Invincible, which uh, we talked about a couple weeks ago when uh, I know Kevin's podcast did an episode on the comics. Yeah, you better. So, uh, so Kevin, now I know you're listening to this. You better pay us for that advertisement retroactively. All right, give us the money. Insert cricket sound. No. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, so anyways, uh, I, I had actually. Wait, 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 wait. His podcast is named Committed Critics. We should probably We should probably say that. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Sorry, go on. Um, so, (laughs) anyways, uh, so yeah, I watched, watched Invincible. It is, it is animated. I, it's uh made. It's good. Animation's good. You, it it is. No, I'm not. I'm not bashing. I'm not bashing okay. anima- animation. I think this uh, show would have worked really well as a live action, um, live action piece. However, I, that is no bash against against the animation. Um, the animation for for me personally, the animation pushes me away from the show. But in saying that, the plot pulls me back in. As of January 2021, this was announced in 2017 initially, but in 2021 it's confirmed it's still coming. Seth Rogen is working on writing a film adaptation and directing a film adaptation of the comic that will be live action while the TV show still runs as an animation. So you're going to get what you want in cool. some form. Okay. And Seth Rogen, Seth Rogen doesn't just do comedies. You know, Well, you know, he pro- I'm pretty sure he produces The Boys, doesn't he? I think that's his production I'm company not, that makes The Boys. I'm not sure, but... Um, I'm not I'd, sure. I'd have to look it up, too. I, I really like The Boys. Um, but as someone who... Okay. I'm going to say this, and people might be like, Danny, how could you? Uh, I don't really like anime either. I've never been able to get into anime. But American animation, I really liked. Um, obviously, I always talk back to Avatar The Last Airbender. It has to do with like storytelling sensibilities. Uh, I've seen good anime movies. It's just t- television, really. I have no interest in anime television. Um, but... I'm interested in Invincible because I think the idea of applying an hour-long episode for... I know you and your hour-long episodes. Um, but an <laughs> hour-long episode format to animation hasn't been done. I haven't watched Invincible yet because mm-hmm. I'm waiting for it to be... I don't want to binge it. Yeah. I could watch it weekly, but the thing is, like, to me... Okay, they put up the first three episodes on the same day. I'm just like, Ugh, I don't want to dedicate three hours of my life to that, you know? And I know I'm just I'm making wait until it's later and I have way more to catch up on. But it's just like, yeah. You know, I can I can wait. You know, I don't I don't feel urgent to watch it, but I'm interested in how the animation plays out because mm-hmm. I like animation. I think animation allows you to do, from what I've seen in the trailers, a level of action that live action would be unable to afford and look good. Yeah. Um, although I've also heard mixed things about the animation quality of this show. That's another reason why I'm waiting on watching it because I've heard that maybe they're saving their budget towards the end of the se- season. Right. Know, that sometimes happens. Yeah. Uh, but. I like animation, and we're not an anti-animation podcast. As I said five minutes ago, we're gonna do we're gonna, we're gonna review Spider Verse too when it comes out because Spider Verse is the best uh, superhero movie period of the last ten years. Sorry, Tyler. <laughs> so while the animation of this particular show pushed me away from it, 
the plot still continued to pull me back in. The storytelling is is there. Um, I'm still not quite sure how I feel about it, but I am looking forward to the next episode. Uh, something that the show did really well was um, how it ended each of its episodes. It kept me wanting more, kept me wanting to uh, watch the next episode um, continue on. So... So yeah, I I mean, needless to say, I will continue watching watching this show. Um, yeah, that's that's my wrap. I was giving you a full minute without talking because I felt really bad. I kept interrupting you, and you started over fifteen seconds. <laughs> that's why I wasn't interacting. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, how's the voice acting? Because there's a lot of actors in it I like. Um, uh, yeah, Yu yeah. J.K. J.K. Simmons is also in it. Um, yeah. and Sandra O, oh. um, and... I've ever seen her, because um, I've never heard of her voice acting before. The other uh, two are Walton, Walton, is it Goggins? Walton... Walton Goggins is on it? Yeah, yeah, he's in it. And I love Walton he, Goggins. He does really well. Um, uh, so yeah, no, the voice acting is, the voice acting is really good. And I think that's, that's one thing, is that, like, what I'm saying is that it is literally the bit, the animation on screen that is what, is what pulls me out of of the experience it's not the storytelling or the voice acting or the effects like that's all there there's a story there and the storytelling is being done i don't want to say it's being done well but well, i think it just comes down to in this i think case, it's though, Tyler, i, I think, think it's it preference affordability well th- that too yeah I don't think you can afford, from what I've seen in the trailers, the scale of Invincible. I don't think you can afford that on a TV budget. Oh, well, exactly. Uh, yeah, given yeah. given the uh, the amount of superheroes that have already been introduced within the first three episodes, um, and yeah, just the all of the action that's been that's been in it. Um, but uh, yeah, I do want to give a shout out to um, to Kevin Lau of Committed Critics for recommending this to us and because i don't yeah, watch it I at some point yeah i wouldn't have wouldn't have known about it um i mean eventually i would have would have seen something about it but yeah no uh thanks for rec- recommending it kevin and i'm gonna i'm gonna stay tuned nice so uh for me well before before i go to my movie i do want to address something on our social media uh actually i want to apologize first for something else that i just remembered so a few weeks back, I'm pretty sure I mispronounced Paul Rashi's name on this podcast. I just said it right, but when we talked about the Oscar noms a few weeks ago, I uh, I pronounced his way the way they announced it at the Oscar nominations because I assumed they would have got it right. But I read this week in a profile they got it wrong, so apologies. But really, you should be asking for forgiveness from Priyanka Chopra, not me. So anyway, uh, next bit of news before I get on to my actual movie. But don't worry, I won't talk about my movie that much because I'm doing all these side bits beforehand. Um, I had asked on our Twitter poll, I put up a Twitter poll asking what you guys wanted to hear. Did you want me to hear me rant about movie news that got me angry and sad? Or if you want me to hear me talk about a movie. And uh, ranting about the movie news one, but I'm not going to do that extensively. I will address it briefly. But... I think there's a lot of negativity in the world and also like something happened like a few hours after I posted that that kind of like put things in perspective to me that like even though I was annoyed by this news it was still just like movie news there are way worse things in the world that could happen that I, I don't think being 
Well, it wouldn't be performatively angry and upset because I was very upset and angry when I read this news. But I didn't feel like it'd be right to really give it the time that I was going to give it because all things considered, it's literally just blah. You know what I mean? It's, it doesn't matter ultimately. My yeah, case. yeah. Uh, and it's not like Luca where it's like a part of an endemic issue. <laughs> like of the pandemic like messing up releases yeah uh it's kind of its own thing and that news was that knives out sequels got sold to netflix uh i'm okay with us quickly addressing this just in the middle of our green room it's kind of like our break in our green room especially since our news was so quick uh i was really upset about this uh actually tyler why don't you say to me what you texted me when i told you the news because like you can engage on this. You you, you, you like knives out a lot. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, let me let me find it back. I remember you had texted me. You gave you like told me the news, and then I I replied back. That is really sad. The quality is going to be super deteriorated. Um, one that's speaking on Netflix's quality of films. Um, to to me, Netflix is dropping it in in the original film area yeah they're blockbusters i would say their their award stuff is pretty decent yeah like ma rainey yeah 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 ma Ma rainey was was excellent but they in in other in other terms well i'm thinking of that uh there's the film with anthony mackie in it and he's a soldier i I can't remember what it's called it's just a straight it's just a straight action flick and like there's, I don't know, like, yeah, you have a plot, but is there a story to it? And so I think it's more of, like, a lot of Netflix's films are, to me, they're hollow. And that's what I'm afraid of happening with uh, with the Knives Out sequels. Also, uh, we know that, like, when a movie goes through what we call director hell... Um, where they go through two or three different directors before we finally get that a final director. Um, it becomes very, very morphed. And this happened in X-Men 3, The Last Stand. Um, it happened okay. in Spider-Man 3. And, uh, well, Spider-Man 3 had Raimi the whole time. Well, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, but, but they, it, the studio it had got really involved. The studio, exactly. That, well, that's my point. It's like when you get multiple influences all intruding on the well, original vision i think that's like that can deter so, deteriorate the quality so what i read uh is actually very different than what you just said so that's why i'm going to clarify my okay point, but i'm still not happy about it yeah um so they sold two sequels for 450 million dollars which a lot of people are saying is super expensive but i don't actually think so i think the first movie did about 300 million dollars on a 40 million dollar budget I don't think Knives Out is the type of movie that gets a big increase in budget in the sequel. Maybe a bit of a raise for both Ryan Johnson and Daniel Craig, right? Yeah. Uh, but the rest of it's probably just going to be actors who want to work with the two of them, and they'll get like a good cast any time. But the thing is, once it's a brand, you know, usually it goes up worldwide. So to me, if the first film made around a budget of $200 million, and you're paying for two sequels for $450 million, that's pretty much in line with what the profits would be normally and release because these movies aren't coming out so well after the pandemic is done so we don't need to like put asterisks on how well they do at the box office mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah um they could be directly read, compared with the original right 
in that mat in like, that manner like box box office well we can't go, yeah yeah yeah. we can't yeah. though because it's going to netflix so it won't have box office. oh that's uh, true that's true that's why i'm mad because yeah. to me uh we haven't had a franchise for adults because i'll be honest i work with kids i knew one kid who saw knives out and i was so confused why he saw it and he didn't even like it that much too so because you know we get so few stuff that's made for adults mm-hmm. and i mean like adult adults not like oh deadpool it's so funny i mean like an actually sophisticated blockbuster right because knives out's pg-13 it's not like a hard art movie mm-hmm. but it's clearly not made for teenagers or kids to watch it's right for adults who like mystery mysteries uh so to me knives out breaking out was so exciting because even though for me it's like an 8 out of 10 movie i think that i i'm not in love with knives out. i think it's good uh, i'm not in love with it but the idea of it was like Oh wow, we ha- we're gonna have a new franchise that's like built for adults in theaters. Because nowadays that never happens. Now it's like, nope, it's going to be on streaming, and it's like, well, that's yeah. Because Netflix also does this thing where, intentionally or not, they cr- they don't make movies. They really outside of like their award stuff, but even then, their award stuff becomes what I call content rather than movies. Because it comes out on a week, everyone discusses it that week, then it's promptly forgotten. Mm-hmm. Unless there's memes made out of it, like Bird Box or Marriage Story or The Irishman. There, there were memes for that, too, you know. And even then, it's like, okay, so what are you going to be? You're ever going to be disposable content or you're going to be a meme? Uh, and Knives Out had memes involved with it, but it like had a long run in theaters and people were talking about it and how you had to go see it. So that's where my bummer side comes from. My other bummer side comes from is I think Ryan Johnson's kind of a sellout, which is pretty funny because I'm like, the biggest defender for the last jedi mm. at least that you know i think the last um, jedi is a fine example of ryan johnson selling out but continue oh, i disagree i, I, I had disagree. to get in my little well, bit now, now now you baited me i have to give, <laughs> have to give the, the, the sentence of giving we vowed we would never deserves. talk about the last jedi on this podcast <laughs> the last jedi is a great esoteric work of blockbuster filmmaking that i don't still can't believe disney was like willing to let it ryan johnson make Okay, moving on. <laughs> uh, Ryan Johnson is someone who I've followed on Twitter for, since Looper came out, which was like in 2013, because that was his movie he did before The Last Jedi and before he did Breaking Bad. Um, and he's been a strong proponent of uh, both the death of motion smoothing, which is something that Netflix doesn't really speak against ever, even though they should, because motion smoothing's terrible. Do you know what motion smoothing is? Should I explain? Yeah, explain. It's I can explain it really quick. Motion smoothing is uh, the... Dang it. We're talking more about Knives Out than we talked about Invincible, and I didn't want to do this, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, motion smoothing is uh, the setting on your TV that ups the frame rate that people usually use for football games and uh, sports like that. Yeah. But the issue is a lot of people leave it on for their movies, and movies are not meant to be watched for 48 frames per second. Right. Because it makes everything look cheap and bad. Unless you're like shot in 48 minutes per second. even then it kind of looks cheap well yeah because most most films are shot in 30 aren't they 24 20, oh, okay. so 48 double oh yeah yeah. Like, yeah yeah uh and the only movies that have been shot in high frame rates have been shot in high frame rates because of 3d because in 3d it's that means it's like 24 frames for each eye mm-hmm. you know what i mean right so that's why 24 frames per 48 frames per second exists um okay so he hates motion smoothing and he's a big proponent of physical releases when we all know netflix movies like never get physical releases so to me it's like man you sold out 450 million dollars you didn't need that much money you could have sold this for half of that and you would have still made profits on these movies and yeah you would have been like laughing your way home to the bank uh 
So it's very disappointing to me. Uh, I don't. I, to me, the entire interest of a Knives Out sequel would be me going to see it in theaters and seeing a, like a movie targeted towards my age mm-hmm. and that in theaters. So it's like whatever. I'll probably check them out, obviously, because I like the first one, but I'm not too excited about them. Okay, yeah. since I talked so much about Knives Out, uh, I'm still going to bring up my movie I saw, but I'm going to be really quick about it. Uh, I watched, uh, I'm sure you've all heard Godzilla vs. Kong is out, and it's reviving the box office. Yay! Um, woo, woo. Well, you I've heard that. Uh, what? I said, oh, woo, I said woo. No, I I'm not booing that. What? No. <laughs> yeah, Christopher Nolan's mad he didn't make Godzilla vs. Kong right now. His career would be so much better. No. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, so I watched a couple old Godzilla movies. One of them is Godzilla vs. Mothra. What I wanted to talk about was Destroy All Monsters. Uh, I'm going to keep it short. Destroy All Monsters rules. It's on HBO Max. I saw it in movie theaters because the music box was doing a retrospective on old Godzilla movies. Uh, highly recommend if you have HBO Max so you watch Destroy All Monsters. When did, when did this uh, one release? See, that's actually the interesting thing. Um, I had assumed watching it, uh, it was like intended to be a Star Wars ripoff. Uh because it's very, uh, it's got a lot of sci-fi elements to that other Godzilla, old Godzilla movies I've seen that haven't. Like, there's ray guns, there's spaceships, there's, uh, you know, there's aliens invading Earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had assumed it was a Star Wars ripoff, because that's how it usually works, you know. Uh, movies rip off whatever's popular at the time. Like, there's a James Bond movie where James Bond goes to space that came out, like, right after Star Wars did. <laughs> uh, Moonraker. It's supposed to be terrible. Yeah. I've never seen it. Um, but anyway... Uh, so Destroy All Monsters came out in 68 and I was shocked to hear that because that means it was it was post uh, the original series of Star Trek which I thought was ripping off but also Star Trek the original series wasn't really popular until I believe the movies came out when the movies came out post Star Wars because you know Star Wars was Star Wars revived the space movie yeah Um. so I, I maybe it was ripping off Star Trek but I think it's cool also about 68. It means it's a year before 2001 A Space Odyssey came out. Or it's the same year 2001 A Space Odyssey. Ah, now I have to look it up. Oh, 2001. It's 68. Same year as Space Odyssey. Um, so yeah. Uh, Destroy All Monsters, I believe, was designed to be the last Godzilla movie. Because the plot is aliens come to... Uh, the aliens come to try to take over Earth. They brainwash the monsters, start attacking. They, they mind control the monsters, start attacking. And our human hero is like an astronaut who, like, is a. He's literally like a space ranger. So it's it's a very pulpy sci fi movie, even ignoring the Godzilla aspects. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Godzilla aspects are still super fun. But the sci fi stuff is too. It's just pretty entertaining. It's a solid 90 minutes. I really enjoyed it. If you want to watch an old blockbuster from Japan, I recommend Destroy All Monsters. Uh, Godzilla vs. Mafra was also solid, but not as wacky fun as Destroy All Monsters was. Yeah. Uh, and then, I've, the original Godzilla is great, uh, but it's not very fun. Because the original Godzilla, as I don't know if you know, but I'll just say to our viewers, because I was shocked that my brother, I was telling my brother about this, he didn't know. The original Godzilla movie was meant to be a metaphor for, like, the nuclear age. Mm-hmm. Um, and it works. It's a really good movie. But... Not exactly a fun time. But yeah, Destroy All Monsters, it rules. Cool. Alright, sorry I did two things in the green room. Uh, I meant to curse, I meant to talk about Knives Out for like a minute, then it became a big thing. I apologize. (laughs) (laughs) But that means we can move on to our spoiler alert. 
From this point on, we will be discussing the latest episode of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier and possible spoilers for future productions. We do not claim to have knowledge of said future spoilers, but will gladly take full credit if such come true. We will not address leaks, which, uh, I'm going to sidebar here for a second, but don't worry, I'll finish the disclaimer. I'll get back to it. Don't worry, Tyler. Uh, I did see, I didn't see the leaks, my, like, there are leaks out. I didn't read Danny's them. releasing I leaks. That, no. <laughs> well, no, I saw that apparently the entire plot of Eternals is leaked, so be careful Oh, yep. I will not look up anything Eternals. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. So, I don't think that will be relevant to the fact that we will not address those internal leaks, but if our speculations align... Even though we're not going to speculate anything about Eternals, it's going to be a pure coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> so, Falcon and Winter Soldier, Episode 3, Power Broker, Combo Breaker, Power Broker, Power Broker, never over working hard. Right, <laughs> <laughs> um, this was my favorite episode thus far. Uh, great pacing. The show is really picking up now. Um, I love the villain development, and I'm ready for more Zemo. I really hope it the show continues to like deliver. Zemo! Zemo! Thank you. Okay. <laughs> what about you? Oh, I thought you, I thought no. you were going to say something more. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no. I said I really hope the show continues I, I thought to I deliver. you. So, nope. this looks like you have to say Zemo. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, I like last week's a bit more. But this is still good. Um, the action was solid. I like, there was a lot of tense moments in it. Uh, I don't have the tense, we didn't, don't have the tense moments listed in my outline, so I'll just say the ones, um, the phone call with his sister was really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like there was something else that was really tense to me when they were doing it, when they were undercover. It was a good, it was good espionage. There's not really yeah. a lot of good espionage these days. Um, I liked seeing Madripoor. That was really cool. And, yeah, Zemo's cool too. I like. I remember. I've had something to notes, but I like Zemo. I'm gonna talk about a specific Zemo moment I loved later, but I have no overall thoughts right now. Gotcha. Uh, so let's go ahead and get to uh, digging digging into the episode. Uh, what are your thoughts on the GRC? That is the organization now that uh, the new Captain America, John Walker, and Battlestar. Uh, Lamar Hopkins, uh, it's who they're working with as they are trying to figure out uh, the same well, thing that Bucky and Sam are doing. Well, to me, the thing that's more important than that is um, the GRC is... It's shown to be, like, a thing that's... It's not militaristic. It's the, what we're shown of it initially is, like, a commercial for it. Yeah. Which... I will say right now, it's sloppy storytelling in a better way. And that's because we've been watching this show, like, as a show, right? Mm -hmm. So you would think this thing that's a massive organization that's meant to help people coming back from the blip would have been brought up, say, hypothetically in the first episode where Falcon's trying to get alone and no one's helping him get alone and because he was blipped. And he can't, he's like, well, let me, he could have been like, the GRC says this, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm okay with there being a legislation to bring up, uh, to address the blip. The issue is, it hasn't been mentioned in the last two episodes, even though there are clear moments where it would have made sense to mention it. Mm-hmm. The, it, this is, I have this as my actual response to this, which is, 
it's too vague. It's way too vague. The Flag Smashers in this are too vague. I don't understand what they want or why they exist. I get that this exists as a global response to the blip. Yeah. But I don't know who established it. I don't know if it's a charity or if it's like a government initiative. Mm-hmm. I presume it's a government initiative because John Walker's working for them. But yeah. Um I thought it was pretty funny. Uh this is me going ahead of it. I thought it was pretty funny that we did not get an answer about if Zima was snapped or not. Cause I had made the comment last week about it that I was really hoping it would come up, and, but it'd be funny if it did and sure enough, it did not. We do not know if Zemo sat in that jail for five years or if he became dust for five years and came back. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think we'll get that reveal eventually. Um, but why have it be a reveal? But, why can't we just hear it now? Well, like, but yeah. You know I mean? like, that, yeah. That's my thing. Is like It doesn't make... To me, it's it's plot block. It's uh, not as bad a plot blocking as Vision like taking it up to the fly. <laughs> it's not even plot blocking. It's more like world building blocking. Yeah, you know? yeah. I don't see it being plot relevant that Zemo was snapped or not. I just don't get why it's not the first thing that Falcon or Winter Soldier asked him. Right. You know <laughs> they lost they lost the manual to the Legos on how to build the Legos. So, uh, yeah. Oh, uh, your point. Your next point. Oh, yeah. That. Yeah, yeah. I had to mute myself. I just want listeners to know I had to mute myself after because I did not know who this was because I've not seen <laughs> up. And oh yeah, and it's so funny. I had I no idea who he was talking about. And then I looked at it and I now I can't unsee it either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he looks like the link. He looks like Carl. I I put in there it's John Walker, it's Carl Fredrickson, and now as we just discovered like when. Tyler was ranting about how he hates animation. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, that he hasn't seen up. Actually, that might have been in the time he cut, but it's okay. He hasn't seen up. Now you know. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, John Walker, if you put the mask on, his nose looks just like the guy <laughs> from up. And it's really hard to unsee. That's America's uh, chin. <laughs> <laughs> the chin, too, yeah. It's the giant nose coupled with the chin. Yep. Yep. Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, I think it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I thought I thought that it was really really cool. It was such a Zemo thing for him to repeat the words uh, that he used to brainwash Bucky back in Civil War. The uh, the same the same words, and uh, I like how he's like, "Yeah, I know that they're not going to work, but but I'm still yeah. gonna prod," you know. I have, a, I have a very silly response to that. And it has to do, you know how last week I was like, Tyler makes these good points, and I just start talking about, like, the camera angle used. Uh, I want to talk about the typo- the typography of the subtitles and the font. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, okay. So here's the thing that I've noticed, is that when you watch, I've noticed with, like, Star Wars stuff on Disney+, Plus is when you watch some with subtitles, which I do, you, I don't watch these shows with subtitles, I've said that before, but usually when I'm watching something I've seen before, I put subtitles on. Mm-hmm. So if I get distracted or if I need to turn it down, I can still catch the dialogue. Yeah. Um, and what I've noticed is, particularly with the Star Wars movies, or even the Mandalorian, because it should use the same font, is that it will put up it in the subtitle font, like the auto-subtitle font, and mm-hmm. I hate it so much. Like when a character speaking in an alien language, because to me the Star Wars subtitle font is very iconic, 
I don't think the Captain America with Civil War one is, but I noticed it was the same font. And I got really happy they did that instead of just being lazy and throwing up like the default like subtitle. Yeah. This is this is this is what gives gets you the brownie points from me. <laughs> Appropriate subtitle font. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think about the cold open this week? Okay, I actually put this down in my thing because it. Uh, so it's not actually. It's okay. So when we refer to a Marvel cold open, we're talking about the logo coming in, right? But this episode had a long TV cold open. Yeah. Which um, WandaVision had a bit of when they were doing the um, opening titles, you know. But they were like legit. They were sitcom cold opens, you know. So it doesn't really doesn't really matter, you know. Um, but in this case, uh, it took like ten minutes for us to get to the Falcon and Winter Soldier title appearing on camera. And I kind of like that because I like the sequence of Zemo escaping, mm-hmm. and in the middle of it, I was like, "We haven't got the title yet." Ooh, this is a nice long cold open. I love it. Um, I don't know. I like it. Again, I'm talking about structure and stuff, uh, but I liked it. Yeah. Uh, I wish, uh, in a way, I kind of wish they waited for the Marvel logo to then. Actually, you know what I wish with this episode? Because doesn't it open with Carl Fredrickson? <laughs> That's what I'm gonna call him now, Captain Fredrickson and Battle, Carl Fredrickson and Battlestar. <laughs> <laughs> Carl Fredrickson and Battlestar like are doing something at the very beginning, then it cuts back. They're to doing the, the GRC, thing. the GRC stuff. It's when we get yeah, that. We open with that, that commercial, and then yeah, and then yeah, do the commercial, open the commercial, then show John Walker again because we don't see him again until the end of the episode, and then do the Marvel logo. That would have worked fine, I think, structure wise. Yeah. And then we could have still got our cool double cold open that we get. So, uh, but I also don't really care, you know. Like you know, that'd be like, oh, that'd be nice, neat. But it's like, you know, but it works. Yeah, know? yeah. So we got it. I, I, there's, <sighs> there's definitely a benefit of Henry Jackman continuing themes uh, from prior prior films. It increased the uh, music continuity, something that Danny, I know you're a fan of. I love, uh, I love music continuity. Um, characters should have themes like uh i.e how acdc and tony stark um are often repeated throughout um or the iron man 3 theme the iron man 3 credits exactly Ooh. yeah i wish they and were, then, i wish they were repeated. Uh, zemo's zemo's theme from civil war is repeated here and it was really nice one when i watched civil war i didn't realize that was intended to be a theme yeah, me too. for it, zemo yeah, i liked hearing it here yeah but it coming yeah. back i was like that makes sense. Oh. Now it all it all yeah. kind of it brought it all together. Um, and then one to me, what was really iconic, I think, is the first time that we really get a lot of music, like interesting musical things, start happening in phase two um, of the MCU. Well, but I'm curious what you mean here. But Sorry, I'm saying like saying. Uh, Loki was given a theme in Thor two. It's I don't remember the Loki it's, theme at um, all. The most iconic part that I can remember is from uh, what I consider should be the opening, the true opening scene instead of that prologue that it we has get. so many prologues. Yeah. That movie has like two um, or three is, prologues. Is basically, and none of them have Marvel cold opens. It's, it's, it's <laughs> when Loki is being walked in as prisoner on Asgard. Um, and it's playing the, uh, it just sounds, it sounds like a harp Isn't it very Sherlock-y? playing... Isn't it kind of like this? Maybe. Oh, Sherlock? I, I've seen bits of Sherlock. So... Yeah, for some reason in my mind, I'm thinking like the Sherlock theme for that. Gotcha. In my head. 
I will say, uh, I want to say this now, because one day, I guess someday we'll probably do a deep dive on the theme music of the MCU. That'd be kind of fun. But I think it's interesting you say that, because to me, the most iconic movie, music in the Thor movies is in Thor 1. And I know Taika Waititi agrees with me, because Thor Ragnarok has that cool techno score by Mark Mothersberg. Yeah. Which, uh, I don't know if you know, that guy's uh, the lead man of De- Devo. Mm. Like, he's the one who did the music for Thor Ragnarok. But at the end, when Thor gets... Uh, becomes king right and he sits at the throne he plays the theme taika plays the theme from thor one which is like do 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 it, it sounds very generic coming from you but it's good and when we watch thor one you'll you'll catch it mm-hmm. it's done by patrick doyle who's a great great musician great score uh but i can't really think of it from thor one that's why i thought it was from thor two that's why i thought it was funny you put Loki Shin from thor two because i think of the thor theme from thor one as the best Marvel theme besides, um, of course, the Avengers and Captain America one. Yeah. I prefer the Captain America theme that uh, Sylvester did than I do Jackman's. Because we heard Jackman's last week when John Walker showed up. Right. But I'm also okay with John Walker not getting the Sylvester theme because it's too good for him. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and yeah, then... We really should do a deep dive on Marvel themes. We should, yeah. Yeah, because I, I really, I we didn't have, I, I brought up a few times, but I really liked Christoph Beck's work on WandaVision. I, I think it's better than what we're getting here, but I also think Christoph Beck is a better composer than Henry yeah. Beckman. We also, uh, we also delve deeper emotionally in WandaVision, which I feel that that music also reflects, reflects that too. Yeah. yeah. Well, like, in the, like, what I would say is, to, to, um, here in the credits, uh, I watch them because I want to see the credits, right? Right. When I watch, um, when I watched WandaVision, I just liked listening to music. Mm. I left it on because the music was really good. Uh, so it was a good way to like de- de- decompress after the episode. Um, whereas this is like whatever music, you know? Yeah. Anyway, uh, my other note on the score is to go off what you said with Zemo. I liked hearing the Winter Soldier theme again. Mm-hmm. That Winter Soldier theme is such like. Once someone pointed out to me, and it's true that it rips off the Ledger Joker theme. Yeah. But I don't really mind because it's a really, like, if you're going to rip off, rip off from the best, right? Right. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And it works. Uh, It was cool to hear it again and uh, see Winter Soldier in Oxygen again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. yeah. Uh, We also had Wakanda. I I thought this. Okay. So I wrote down in the notes, it was about... Yeah, we were in the episode, and I'm like, okay, Wakanda's been mentioned twice in this show now. Maybe we'll get a reveal later on. And we got that at the end of the episode. I know we're jumping quite a bit, but this... Yeah, we're going to talk about it more later. Yeah. Uh, so, we, yeah, we got yeah. that at the end of the end of the episode, and it was nice seeing that, seeing the mentions pay off. Uh, you know? Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Well, no, yeah, yeah. I'll say that. Yeah. I feel like... That's kind of a subtweet towards a certain aerospace engineer. <laughs> right, right. Sorry, John Krasinski. Not yet. I don't want John Krasinski. <laughs> Have I told you who I want? Yeah. I'll just say it again. Yeah. I want William Jackson Harper. We're, we're going to keep saying it until it self-actualizes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, Wakanda. I like Wakanda. But we'll talk about but it yeah, it, it makes sense. It makes sense for Wakanda, Wakanda to be involved. Uh, because remember, Zemo is responsible for the death of King T'Chaka. So, <laughs> well, my response there to you saying that is, I remember because they felt the need to mention it in this episode very bluntly, and like I felt like it was a very forced exposition line. It's like 
don't you remember? He blew up the UN and killed King T'Chaka. Where I feel like, okay, I'm gonna be honest. This is this is such this is such like a playwriting like obnoxious note. Is I feel like no Sam wouldn't say King T'Chaka. Sam would say he killed the King of Wakanda. Right. That more like that more emphasizes like the gravity of what he said than just saying a name. Yeah. Especially since people didn't know really who what Wakanda was. Mm-hmm. Until after Civil War. You know, like, they thought it was just, like, a whatever, like, third war country. Yeah. Yeah. So, whereas King of Wakanda would have, like, boom. That, that, anyway. And that I, is... I, <laughs> I'm nitpicking so much. Like, that's the thing. It's like, I'm, I'm nitpicking, but it's like, I acknowledge these are nitpicks. These are not complaints. It's just... Yeah. Knowledgeable Nitpicks with Danny Vincent. Uh, that's my new podcast. <laughs> oh, um, so, anyways... Uh, so I think uh, what I've liked most about this this show has been the character chemistry. Uh, in the first episode, we it definitely was not there, um, and then it was very relevant once Bucky and Sam got together in episode two, um, and that's the driving factor of the scenes uh, through you know through this through this show, um, and. In saying that, the airplane scene in this uh, in this episode was really was really good. I thought I thought that it was it was great. Yeah, the airplane scene was good. Uh, I like the dynamic with Zemo as an anti-hero. Uh, I don't know if that's the right word for it. He's more he's very clearly like still villainous, but they have to team up with him, which is always a fun. It's like a good. I, th- I think um, I think the character Zemo is having fun with it. Oh, I think Daniel Bruhl is. Oh yeah, kind of fun yeah. acting it. Like you can tell he's like, ah, oh, yeah. Now I'm gonna have fun in this these movies. Because mm-hmm. if you think about Civil War, he spends most of his scenes by himself. And this scene, he's like, oh, I get to hang out with Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan and just like ride in a plane and be really dramatic and fun. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fun. Uh the the lines the the argument about trouble man was definitely a highlight of this episode. Yes, yeah, it was fun. Uh, it's something where okay, a lot of people. I haven't looked at this course on this episode, but I wouldn't be surprised to see this. And I'm, so I'm going to curb it right now because I feel like a lot of people would say something like, "Yeah, it was okay. I really wish that though we didn't have to deal with the uh, the stuff." Sorry, I lost my train of thought. Saying, well, like, I wish Zemo had more. What is the word for it, actually? I wish Zemo had more love. No, I wish Zemo. <laughs> I wish Zemo had more. I poise. Maybe is what I'm thinking of. Poise. Like people are like, he shouldn't make jokes like that, or he shouldn't be like, oh, Trouble Man's actually a masterpiece that speaks to the African American condition. Like that's not cool. He should be a badass. I'm like, no, that, that's you can still like be have humanizing yeah. moments like that and still be intimidating. Yeah, like, it, I thought Zemo was intimidating. This I was jumping ahead a lot. I was really surprised to see him come back for Falcon and Bucky. Yeah, at the end of the call. Yeah, I was too. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, cool, and I, I, I think I'm, I'm down for more allied Zemo. I, I think the what really sets Zemo apart. Uh, as a villain, like he has an honor. Yeah, his, he does have an honor system, but he also he's also a, he's very developed. Like we see that there is a person, there is a person behind behind the mask. Um, uh, whereas, like he's very human 
we can identify with those human parts of him, you know, and uh, whereas like yeah, his initial motivation. The initial good. motivation is yeah, is really good, but it's it's how he chooses to execute his you know his plans. I feel like that's that's what makes him the villain. About how Marvel villains kind of have that. I don't want to say it's an issue, but it's something that's very consistent. I feel like yeah. with Marvel villains because uh, we've talked about Killmonger before, mm-hmm. but I think Zemo is. Okay, I'll be honest. Outside of... <laughs> this is going to sound so bad. Outside of blowing up the UN, what bad has he really done? You know, like that we've seen. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's... He's he killed Hydra killed people, a bunch of people, Hydra. but yeah. Yeah, like you said, Well, no, no, no I'm saying they're outside of the UN thing. Yeah. And the UN thing was like... Yeah, I know. Okay, well, that's what I was, that's what I was saying, him. is that he's killed people... <laughs> Oh, <laughs> like, I thought you were correcting me. I'm like, well, no, he has no. I was like, I was agreeing. Like outside of the outside of the outside of blowing up uh, the United Nations building, like and killing the he's killing King Kachak. <laughs> he he, you know, has killed other other people. Um, but uh, but yeah, they're all people the Avengers would have killed. You know, that, that's what it is. They're all people like like. Falcon, I could see Falcon and Cap going after, you know, Hydra. They definitely went after Hydra. Yeah. And, you know, they, uh, the super soldiers at the end that he kills in their sleep. I don't think they would have killed them in their sleep. Right. But they would have fought him and killed them. That's what they do, you know? That's what they, <laughs> I'll, like, I'll wake you up and then I'll do. give you an hour to get ready. <laughs> and we're going to fight. But, uh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they, have a, they have a code. Yeah. A different code than but, Zemo, but still yeah, code. Zemo's, Zemo's very calculated. Um, I think, yeah, is the word word for it. But no, this, Uh, this airplane scene made me want more moments like this. And I I really enjoyed it. You see, that's actually something I'm going to jump. I'm going off of that, but I'm also going to jump back to my overall thoughts. Cause I remember I said I had no overall thoughts. I just remembered what I thought at points during this episode. So I agree. I do want more moments like this. And I think, and I, this has to do with something else I'm going to mention later, but I want to wait till later to mention that. But I think the weird thing about this episode is that a lot of things happened action-wise that I feel like glossed over story bits. Uh, And that kind of led to me feeling like this episode was... I don't want to use the dreaded word filler, but I felt like it did not want to dedicate the time it could to character moments and instead just wanted to get to the action and the beats that it needed. Yeah. Um, Which is weird. Because I also feel like we spend a lot of time on some of these bits that we don't need to. Mm-hmm. Like, you could cut... I don't want to say cut down, but you could pace the story so the entire sequence at the Madripoor bar is probably half the length. It is. Yeah. Um, like, the buck, like the Winter Soldier fight is cool. Do we need it to last a full minute? No. Like, you can cut all that down a bit and then still have time for more character bits. Yeah. Beats. Um, and I guess that's where I'm kind of like, this wasn't as good as last week to me. Uh, but I do think it's still a good episode. But I just remembered that, so I wanted to jump back. So we can now go forward. Huh, so which is uh, kind of one of your points that you have actually like five points from now. Yeah. But, but uh, <laughs> we're not going to transition there yet. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm interested in what the MCU past behind Zemo's mask is. Because when he's, when he's get in, getting into the car... He looks at it and it's just camera really. Yeah, he really lingers on it. Like he's (laughs) he's remembering. He's like, oh yeah, there are all these things. Am I gonna need this? Maybe. Maybe you know. Maybe uh, maybe it's gonna reveal because this is six months after Endgame, right? 
Yeah. Maybe it's going to reveal at the end that the mask was made out of recycled material, and the mask is actually the folder that has the deed to Wanda and Vision's house in it, and the camera just really likes lingering on that material. <laughs> oh you know, it's not important. Uh, <laughs> uh, my... Uh, my speculations, just wild speculations here, is maybe Zemo did escape prison during the snap, and he used the mask to do whatever Zemo was doing, um, and then maybe he was put back into prison following the the return of everyone. Um, so, my response there is, I don't think so. Or rather, I hope not. One of those, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because here's the thing. I, I think I mentioned this earlier. Is it's kind of like Zemo being? Yeah, I did mention it. Earlier. It's kind of like Zemo. We don't know if he's been snapped or not. Right. What? Why is this info being kept from us? Uh, this doesn't need to be a reveal. Like if Falcon and Winter Soldier know that Sam broke out, not Sam. Zemo broke out during the snap and got put back in. I think they'd still do everything the way they did, right? Right. Like, they know Zemo isn't reformed. Yeah. Uh, so there's no reason to keep that information from us. And if it was a reveal, I'd be like, okay, so what? Unless he's, like, funding, like, the Flag Smashers or something. But... That is true. Even so, we don't need... <laughs> but my point is, even if he is, it's like, who cares? You know what I mm-hmm. mean? Like, we could have this all earlier... But yeah, I also felt like in a way, this is just a side note. I felt like Zemo's characterization as a Baron was a bit retconny. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, and it's kind of weird because, you know, I feel like the Russos are the ones that get most in the fold on this. There's no reason that couldn't have been included in Civil War, just as a mention. Yeah, uh, that he's rich and like we know it's Baron Mordo. There's no reason, like, yeah, I don't know. But I didn't. Again, it's one of those things where it's like. I guess that's a problem with Civil War than with this. Right, right yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I know he's supposed to be a Baron, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've, I I really liked getting to know Zemo's uh, modus operandi, which is how, how this villain works. Tyler's using big words that I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's basically, it's, uh, it, it's it, Latin for it like, like how he... How he works, Way how he how he operates. Yes, his modes yeah. of operation. I, I recognize operandi as operating. Yeah. So um, mode of operation is my. And like like we yeah. touched on earlier, he's much more complex than other villains, but it's been a necessary complexity. Um, and in saying this, moving forward, the MCU needs to avoid gray villains. Now I want to ask you what you mean by gray, because I think. Gray villains is a term that's different for everyone who uses it. So. Okay, uh, sure. So what I mean by gray villains is it's villains that are just your basic, we need somebody to be the op- opposition towards our protagonist. Um, so let's throw in this villain who has uh, the, it's not simple, but uh, the just basic motivation of I want, all of the world to recognize me as the ruler of the world, you know? Um, Killmonger. Well, but see, to me, Killmonger was fully developed. Yes, he was angry, but Killmonger had a reason to be angry because he was, he had been oppressed his whole life, saw that um, other, that other people 
of of his color had also been oppressed. But in here was this country hidden away that had the means to remove that oppression, but they were doing nothing. They were hiding away. You know, so yeah, so yeah, I understand. Yeah, I understand he's, him. He's like Matt Mickelson. That's Ye- what you're talking about. He's like Matt yes, Mickelson. Yes, yes, yeah. That's what you're. So doing. yeah, so yeah. Um, so what I'm saying is like gray villains is, I would count Obadiah Stane as more of more of a gray villain where it's a, I want the whole company to to be for me. Well, I got to get Loki. Kind of starts like that. Yeah, yeah. Loki kind of starts like that, and but we Loki eventually develops and. Gets to the point, See, you know, that we like him I for what he what he is. So yeah, gray villains no, to me are just they have I, one basic motivation, but they don't have like there's it's hard to believe that they have any other reason to exist in I the story think, besides that. I think no offense, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I think you need to rename it because to me, when I hear gray villain, I think. They're in shades of gray. They're, it's not clear black and white. So you're thinking more so anti-hero. By my definition, Zemo would be a gray villain. Yeah. He's not like a clear black and white villain. Gotcha. Uh, but I also wouldn't use the word gray villain for you because I know you mean you mean differently by it. Yeah. Know? So we need different terms for that. Yeah. And I, do, I don't want to say he's a basic, like, I don't want to say basic villain because basic has such a cult, like different cultural meaning, you know. Well, I think you could say. But. Is dull villain. Uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, we can, but we yeah. can have a term later. But yeah, anyway. I was just saying that's why I was confused when you wrote that down. Because to me, I'm like, what do you mean? Zemo definitely is a gray villain, and we need more gray villains. But my definition is different than yours. But yeah, but I mean, so, we both, we both, but still, we agree. We just, yeah, exactly. We, we, we both still we reach the labels. same conclusion. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but um, yeah, no, I mean, they, they could have easily, with this show being, like we said, um, at the end of the Civil War podcast, we had talked about us expecting the show to be basic buddy cop film, just action action flick, and it's it's definite it's gone deeper than that. And I think it, it there's still room for it to go to go deeper. And I think this com- introducing this complexity with Zemo is uh, something that we definitely need to keep going throughout the MC throughout the MCU. Yeah. Next up is the really important stuff, which was that Zemo danced. They spent the whole... I think I might be jumping ahead looking at, further down on these notes, but I think it's okay to jump ahead for this Yeah, uh, That we see in the episode, uh, they go to a party, and I was expecting them to like be looking for information at the party, but no, it's just the montage where they party. <laughs> and then it's the next day right afterwards. And then Zemo's like, man, last night was so fun. Right? <laughs> and it's just like, what? <laughs> and we get a shot of like Zemo like really getting into dancing. And it's just like, okay. <laughs> did, did Daniel Brew like dance on something? Like, oh, we got to keep that in. Right. Uh, I really, I don't know. I really enjoyed that this was here. <laughs> it made, made absolutely no sense. It had no relevance to the plot at that's all. That's why, that's why he came back. <laughs> I and enjoyed That's it. why he came back at the very end. Because he was like, we've got to have more dancing moments. We got We got a party. You guys are, you guys are good bros for parties. <laughs> We're not done partying. <laughs> oh, this has only just begun. Uh, I thought that this episode, I said in the first, uh, when we covered the first episode of this uh, series, I talked about how it, this episode ep- episode episode <laughs> talked about well, British. about uh, p- 
people who were living in the past uh, having this conflict with people who were living in the in the present, and uh, specifically the people who had been snapped back versus the people who lived through the five years after the snap. Uh, so I thought this episode acutely exemplified the melding of the past and the present and how they work together to determine the future, which sounds like some cheesy line from a book like a about game. time travel. <laughs> but um, but no, I, th- I thought that it... Now we're, we're seeing kind of those, those differences set aside because the future, both uh, people who are stuck on the past and people who are living in the present both realize that the future is something that can still be changed and something that you need to work towards and uh, that people are now joining um, each other to to work with that. So, um, and then... I don't mean to add. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, that was just a Tyler's uh, philosophical moment for the, for the day. But... Uh, okay, I, I, we already got Danny rants for... 10 minutes my knives out even though he said it'd only be a minute so. <laughs> <laughs> but in danny time one minute is and also 10 honestly i think the more danny moment of this episode so far has been me complimenting the subtitle fonts so. <laughs> <laughs> that, that takes home that takes home the bacon um so yeah uh i thought that uh i was just about to repeat everything i just said um anyways so <laughs> there is there an echo echo here? echo's back Echo. <laughs> um, so I did. Speaking of Echo, uh, well, not speaking of Echo, but I did do some comic book research on the Power what? Broker. Uh, so, <laughs> in the comics, the Power Broker is a man who gave people superpowers in exchange for a percentage of the earnings they made from using those powers. Uh, he also later creates an app called Hinch. That allows consumers to quickly hire hire a supervillain. Now that reads like such an April Fool's. It is show. such it's like that's it's, it's like that sounds ridiculous. Here's an app called Hinge, but just wait. So he ends up like he ends up getting in this competition with Cross Technology, and they like Cross Technology releases their own app that was basically just Hinge, um, and then uh, in order to to like smash down the competition the power broker releases hinch 2.0 and i'm like i'm like what is this what is this it was in it was in earth it was in earth it was in the earth 616 continuity but i don't i don't remember which well it was just like oh this was in it was in it was in the ant-man um the amazing ant-man or it's not amazing ant-man anyways so, uh, so the broker's superpowers are that of energy manipulation and flight, um, and the power broker is featured heavily in comic lines featuring Ant Man and Cassie Lang. Uh, so there is some playability there, um, and of even bigger note is that Battlestar and U.S. Agent, um, who right now we know as New Captain America. Um, both get their superpowers from the power broker in the comics. So that 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 to me reads like one of those things like, mm, yeah, that's probably gonna be lifted and be in this. Yeah, you know? yeah. That's that's what I'm thinking thinking too. Um so 
So yeah, uh, who would play the power broker? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, this is my question. Yeah. is Al Pacino gonna play the power broker? I th- that that uh, would be really cool. Yeah, or he could be the Mephisto broker. I don't know. There we go. <laughs> the power broker yeah. is is Mephisto, who or he's Richard E. Grant. Exactly. I don't know. I, I don't think it will be Richard E. Grant. So I want Richard E. Grant as Mephisto. But uh, we already know that <laughs> from several episodes. So, um, so yeah, I I don't think the broker, the power broker, is dead. And the reason why I say this is because when they are in Madripoor, they acted like Selby was the power broker. Oh, is the, it's how it came off all. to me. But of course, I got that they were avoiding the power broker. Okay, and so that's why they went to her. Okay. Uh, Especially because at the end, everyone goes after them. Yeah. And it's like, oh, the power broker sent them after them because they broke, killed Selby. That makes sense, uh, then. I was annoyed we didn't see this because that to me means it's going to be framed like a reveal. And unless they like have a really impressive, like, who is it? Yeah. Like, it's not going to be worth it. And I can't think of anyone who would be, that would be a big deal. You know what I mean? Right. So, yeah. Uh, unless it's, oh, actually, you know, I'll say one thing. The one person that I'd, like, freak out over being the power broker, you want to know who it would be? Ralph. It's a pre-existing Marvel it's... character. No, it's a pre-existing Marvel <laughs> yeah. character. Uh, he's a Marvel villain who's still alive. I'll let you guess. Marvel villain who's still alive. Um, <laughs> there's not many of them, um, but I don't think it would be Loki. Um, oh, Baron Mordo. Is that your guess? Is it Baron Mordo? I'm going to say Baron Mordo. I was going I take with it back. Justin Hammer. <laughs> oh, I there we to go. I Sam Rockwell. Yes. <laughs> yes. Then we can get Zemo and they can dance together. Yeah. They both got the moves. <laughs> <laughs> but in all seriousness, I actually do think Sam Rockwell would be like, that would make sense. Mm-hmm. Sam Rockwell reveal. Power broke, uh, Mordo wouldn't make any sense to me. Oh yeah, that's true because he's yeah he's more along the lines of he's, he's kind of he like a Zemo yeah where he's like we don't need magicians we don't need superheroes yeah uh, uh, so I thought that Sharon's reason for her whereabouts since Civil War makes sense and I'm glad we got that explanation. Um, did you buy Sharon's character in this episode? No. <laughs> <laughs> um. My issue with it is, is that she doesn't acknowledge the fact that she disappeared. And she's, like, blaming, blaming Falcon and Bucky for it. Yeah. But, like, Cap was clearly living in America, not being bothered during the blip. Like, we see him li- living in New York mm-hmm. during the blip. Yeah. He's been pardoned, presumably. So why didn't Cap help her out? It doesn't really make sense to me at all. That she's mad at them for something that she should clearly be mad at Steve for. Right. Um, and honestly, her being mad at Steve would tie in more with the conversation they have about how the people who carry the shield is are made more of an icon than being viewed as the fully flawed people they are. Yeah. Um, but no, she's just mad at them for some reason for not calling her up in the last six months. I, <laughs> when, I think what, like, what got me... What got me to question, which is why I even wrote this question down, because I thought, okay, her reason for her whereabouts since Civil War, I'm like, okay, being 
being if you were blipped, then it makes sense because you would think that you're still on the run. And uh, I think I think Cap was just focused on helping those who just helping people survive make a phone call. through the Cap make a phone call to the president and be like, pardon Cap, me. Cap only had one phone call and that was to Tony Tony Stark. And no, I mean, anyways, post, I'm talking about post Infinity. Post Infinity, pre Endgame, because we see in the after the time jump in Endgame that Black Widow and Cap are operating like publicly in the U.S. True, yeah. After everyone's disappeared, right? So during that five years, he could have got Sharon a pardon if he wanted, right? He just chose not to for whatever <laughs> reason. It's not. This is not a Falcon and Bucky. Yeah, yeah. No. This is entirely on Steve. I My thing was is like when she st- when she went off the way that the, the way the character was played when they're in the apartment with her, it was just very it was very like where did this Sharon come from? Of course, we've never really seen Yeah, it feels very It felt very very off. Yeah, very off like it wasn't her character and I was kind of like, okay, um, so yeah, that's why I even, I even asked, cause I was like, yeah, I didn't even think about the pardoning coming from, from Cap, but no, that, that's a good point, good point too. Uh, what'd you think about the fight choreography? Alright, so this is what I was going to mention earlier, that I was like, yeah, I'm not gonna jump ahead, is, well, I thought it was good, mm-hmm. but I want to talk about, um, this episode was written by Derek Coldstad, who it really showed me but he wasn't involved obviously directing the choreography because he's not the director but Derek Coldstad is the creator of John Wick mm. uh, and this episode feels very, I don't know if you watched the John Wick movie I've seen I well John Wick. in saying that I can I can agree because I've seen the John Wick scene of him going through the nightclub yeah so I've, I've seen also, that so John Wick John Wick basically exists in a world where anyone can be an assassin to like a like and it knows it's ludicrous. Yeah. It's like, it's part of like the conceit that like, this is such a cartoony world that like assassins, like probably a fourth of the people who live in the world of John Wick is an assassin. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's why John Wick's always like, someone's going to get like, you know, yeah, someone can get him. And like the police openly know about it in the world of John Wick. Yeah. And that's what I was getting from my ad report, especially when they were leaving the club and they're like, we got to run. Everyone got the text. Like, this is so John Wick. Um, which is fun. I thought the aesthetic, the, the aesthetic, the aesthetic mm-hmm. was very John Wick as well, which I like. The ne- as you said, the neon nightclub, very like cyberpunk. That. I don't know the John, the John Wick movies are good. Uh, and I saw actually, I almost talked about in the group. I saw Derek Oldstead's new movie this week, which I thought was kind of interesting that he had a movie come out the same week he did his Falcon Winter Soldier episode. Because mm-hmm. uh, he's doing, he, uh, I don't know if you've seen the trailers. He's uh, he directed, no, he didn't direct. He's a writer only, but he wrote Nobody. Which is the new Baba? Oh Kirk, yeah, John Wick ripoff. Yeah, uh, pretty solid movie. I almost talked about it, but I didn't. But yeah, very ton John Wick vibes this episode with the choreo, the choreography specifically with um, Sharon. Yeah, I got very John Wick vibes from. Uh, and also, I don't know if you know this. Um, this is an interesting fact: is that the directors of the first John Wick. Uh, were the second unit directors, I believe, on Winter Soldier and Civil War. Mm. And it more shows in Winter Soldier because some of those fights are really, really choreographed to the point that they're like the John Wick fights. Yeah. If you like action, definitely check out the John Wick movies. 
I'll, I'll, hot take, I know. I'll have to. I know, I mean, there's, very there's hot three take. of them, so. Uh, yeah. Well, the the first one, quick, I'll, I'll get this done in 10 seconds. I'm watching the clock, don't worry. John, Danny's quick John Wick uh, thoughts. First one has the best emotional state. Second one has the best action. But the third one has the best first half hour. Okay. That was an eight. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, moving on, I noticed an X on the gates of the school that uh, Carly... I saw that too. Yeah, and I just thought that that was, that was interesting. She said all of those kids are going to get are going to get this, uh, like, I guess the super soldier serum. Um, and I just thought that was... Oh, no, I was getting... Or this medicine? They say later on that the... They say later on the episode that the... Not the vaccine. Um, they say later on the episode that there's a lot of issues allocating um, resources for these displaced people. So I had assumed that she just meant that they are... And then they say later on her friend, like, died of tuberculosis because it's common in those camps. Yeah. Um... So I was just thinking she meant medicine. Gotcha. Uh, but I also did notice the X, uh, which made me wonder if we're going to see Principal Ralph Boner and his wife Agnes. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It could happen. They could have be like, we don't like Westview anymore. Actually, you know, I really wonder if we're never going to get Zanson. <laughs> I wonder what everyone's response was in Westview after like Wanda left it. Where they're like, we're going to stay in this place that caused so much trauma to us. I don't think so. I feel like most likely they all collectively decided to move away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna move. Uh, we're never gonna get that answer. We're gonna create but, Eastview. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, well, well, they. I think they say there's an Eastview. Yeah, they? I thought they did in like the fourth yeah, episode. Yeah, they all moved to Eastview. Yeah, anyway, but uh, uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, I like I like that we are seeing Carly develop into a villain. Rather than the nar- the narrative forcing us to accept the status, uh, for example, we are shown why and what she is doing, um, and this actress has done a great job of showing vulnerability and motive. Uh, yeah, I really like her. Yeah, loss and or she's getting way more to do than she did in Solo. <laughs> definitely, also, definitely. Way product than Solo. Um, uh-huh. So, <laughs> like loss and or fear of loss are great motivators for action, and we as the audience. That's the tagline for WandaVision. Do what? Sorry, cool. That's the tagline for WandaVision. Right? <laughs> so we, <laughs> we as the audience relate to this, which allows us to better relate to the character. I want, I don't, I don't know about you, Danny, but I, I want to be able to relate to the villain. I don't want to, like, you should well, make me think, I, should I cheer for this guy? Like, with Thanos, the point that he was making is, like, we're running out of resources, you know? Now, he made okay, a horrible... Well, okay, no, okay. I'm not justifying Thanos. You don't Thanos. want me to go down that road. I'm not well, justifying I Thanos. I, I am not. Well, I think but, Thanos, Thanos's argument can be dispelled by such a quick, like, okay, then double the resources. Well, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, if you have control yeah. of all reality, come to... Like, yeah. <laughs> I think the thing that's interesting about Carly is... is I think she's first presented to us as a villain, you know, yeah. in the first episode where we don't get any development. Uh, and then last episode to me, I'm like, oh, she's not a villain. She's a leader of a radical group, which I know people are like, oh, radical, radical terrorism. I'm like, mm, I don't know. Like, to me, we haven't seen enough to see against who they're fighting. Because we know John Walker is who they're fighting. John Walker's organization is they're fighting. Yeah. We don't like John Walker either. Right. So it's like, is she a villain or is she being, like... 
I don't want to say framed because that means she's framed for a crime she didn't commit. But I mean, like, is she being presented like propaganda wise as a villain? Because mm-hmm. from what I see so far, she's trying to help sick kids get medicine. Yeah, that's not really a villainous thing at all. Uh, and if she blows up soldiers who we know are backing someone who does not behave well, mm-hmm. like we know is a bad person, are isn't she a hero with just? methods that might be a bit extreme yeah which would mean she's the same thing as zemo is in this episode not zemo is a villain but that's not my point you know what i mean yeah yeah um yeah so i don't know i think she in a way is kind of the key to if this show will work or not uh even though the name never will flex will never work as a name uh but i'm curious what her deal is still and unlike the other ones where i'm like i'm curious what the deal is i don't know what we even heard yet i'm okay with this being parsed out the way mm-hmm. it is. Um, and I'm surprised now that I'm thinking about it because I mentioned John Walker. We didn't really talk about that moment in the beginning of the episode where he gets spit on. Um, yeah. Which I thought was a good moment. That's all I gotta say. It was a good moment. <laughs> <laughs> moment. Um, but yeah. Uh, and then we get to the end of the episode which is the appearance of the Dora Malage, I believe is how you say it. Or did you say it's something else? Dora Malaysia. The Dora Malaysia. Yeah. Dora Malaysia. Uh, which was Ayo, who is played by Florence Kasumba. Now, some fun facts about Florence Kasumba. She was the first Wakandan cast in the MCU besides Chadwick Boseman and the actor who played T'Chaka, John Connie. Because uh, she's in Civil War. She's the person who att- tries to intimidate Black Widow. Yeah. Uh, but And then she's got a small background role in Black, Pan- uh, Black Panther. Fun fact about her also is she is in DC movies as well. She is one of the Amazons in the Wonder Woman movies. Uh, again, just a background role, mm-hmm. but good for her. She's in both. Um, and I'm glad we're going to see more of her on TV because I feel like I feel like she, I mean we'll find out. I feel like she's got to be a good actor. She got cast in both the MCU and the DC. Yeah, movies, right? yeah. And I think she's good in her 10 seconds of stealing the show in Civil War. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So next week will be exciting. It's kind of like how this week I was like, ooh, next week Zemo. This week is like, ooh, next week uh, Io. Because that's her character name is Io. Gotcha. So, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I also just like the idea of us delving into more of Wakandan um, spy stuff. Because we see that in Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I presume that's the role that she's taking in this. Because she's by herself. Yeah. Kind of like what Akoya would have done until the child like, no, I'm going with you too. Remember? So. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but, yeah. but yeah, no, um, that's the episode. That's the episode. Uh, moving on to our predictions. What do you think? What are you thinking about next week? Uh, well, I want to see more IO. I just said that. Um, besides that, I don't really know. I don't think we'll see the power broker next week. I think they'll say that to the second to last episode because it's going to be a big reveal and we'll see who it is. Yeah. Um, I really don't know, because to me the thing is, all the stuff I think would happen would happen in the second to last episode, like John Walker getting a super serum. I could see us returning to Elijah next week already. Mm-hmm. You know, they did um, they did a uh, a reference to him in this episode. Yeah, they mentioned yeah. him. Uh, what? Oh, obviously they'll encounter um they'll encounter the flag smashers next week. Cause that's where we left off this week. Yeah, I don't know. I'm curious about it. I'm curious. Yeah, I don't know. This, As I said before about this show, I don't think this show is as inviting to speculation as WandaVision mm-hmm. is, but that's okay. 
yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I really want to learn more of the story behind Zemo's mask. Um and I think it'll also be exciting to see Wakanda's involvement with this story as well. I'm very curious how Wakanda's going to be. Involved. Yeah. Um or to the extent that Wakanda will be involved. Especially with you know how Wakanda itself seems to I I presume we weren't going to be touching Wakanda until Black Panther 2 because of Chadwick Boseman's mm-hmm. Uh but here we are, and we have to. We're going to it now. So yeah, that's going to be interesting. I'm curious how they'll tackle it. Um, but yeah, yeah. Cool. All right. And so that's our episode. Before we do our outro, I have to advertise. I'm not going to include in my part of the outro. So Tyler has not been invited to be on my new podcast. Sorry, Tyler. Dun dun dun. I'm kidding. Well, not really. Tyler, you aren't invited, but that's how <laughs> like it. So, <laughs> well, no, I really think you'd be bored with what we're doing there. You, you might enjoy listening to it, but you wouldn't want to do the work. Well, so, well, if I do I, want to listen to it, what's the what's the podcast called? Oh, I'm, I'm about to I'm about to tell you. Um, so I have launched a new podcast with my friends Sarah and Caleb. Both will be guesting on this show in May and June. We have them lined up as guests. Um. But the show is called The Snub Club. This is more meant to be... This is more meant to be a fun... Not, not that we're not a fun show, but we're a recap show, so we always have stuff we yeah, do every week, yeah. right? Um, so this is a show where we kind of spoil old movies for you. Uh, Snub Club. But it's more like... Um, the premise is... Every year, the Academy Awards. Uh, and every year, there's always movies that are nominated for stuff, but don't win anything. So the point of this show is that we're looking at every film... Every Academy Awards... Starting with, well, starting with the second, because the first Academy Awards, the movies that qualify actually are not readily available right now, uh, but we found the one from the second one on YouTube. But anyway, so we look at the movie that got the most nominations, but the least amount of wins. And me, Sarah, and Caleb discuss the movies, we um, break down what their competition was, we break down what we thought of them, we break down what we would have had it won for of its nominations, and what... We wish it had been nominated for in addition to it. What it was nominated for. It's fun. Uh, our first episode's about the 1929 movie Alibi, which is on YouTube. But more importantly, you do not need to watch the movies along with us. We tell you what they're about. And we try to give historical context, too. Uh, we think it's going to be a lot of fun. It's a bi-weekly show. So, and it's also an hour-long tops. So way, way less of a time commitment than we are. If you want to, to listen to that. So, and it's available on Spotify. Apple Podcasts, I assume. I actually don't know what it's all on yet, because as we're recording this, the episodes are not up yet, but they will be up by the time this episode is out. Um, So next week, I will probably pimp it again, but I will give you more details on where you can actually watch it, or listen to it, rather. But yeah, check it out. Cool, cool. Uh, Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Why Is with Ty and Dan. You can catch us on various podcasting platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, and on our website, whyiswithtydan.buzzsprout.com. You can also listen to us on YouTube at our channel, Why Is with Ty and Dan. You could also follow us on Twitter at whyisandtyand1, because I'm number one. And you can follow me, Danny Vincent, at Letterboxd at blankments for reviews of movies, including those not in the MCU, such as Destroy All Monsters or Alibi, which is I did a podcast on. Anyway, you can also contact us by email at whyiswithtyandan@gmail.com. Well, have a great week, everyone. All right. We'll see you next week. <laughs>
Bye-bye. <laughs>